city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Following him to the house that he enters, and saying to the owner of the house, the teacher asks, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs, all furnished. Make preparations there. They left and found things just as Jesus had told them, so they prepared the Passover. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, it will not, I will not drink it again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup. <clears throat> and this is interesting because they don't drink until the, after they've had a big meal. Normally in churches, we do it all once. Right? We eat the cracker and then we drink the juice. They ate the bread, the meal first. They had a long meal conversation. Then they drank. <laughs> In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood which is poured out for you. But the hand of him who is going to betray me is with me on the table, is with mine on the table. The son of man will go as it has been decreed, but woe to the man that betrays him. They began to question among themselves which of them it might be who would do this. Amen. And so, this is the institution of the Lord's Supper. Praise God. And before I forget, I have it in my notes to, to remind myself, it's been a crazy week preparing for this, preparing for communion, preparing for communion service, that I almost forgot it was Father's Day. <laughs> So I want to say a big Father's Day to all the brothers that's in the house this morning. There's some powerful brothers here. Brother Mike Cross, Dustin, uh, John, Brother John, my new brother that's met this week. We just today, actually, this morning. What's your name again, brother? Gaston. Oh, yes, I love that. And uh, any other fathers in the house that I may have missed? Brother Tim, definitely. Amen. Faithful fathers. Give me a hand for the brothers.
I got blessed this morning with my Star Wars t-shirt, <laughs> my Starbucks card, and my Amazon card. My kids know me well. Gotta find me a book to buy. So, communion. What I have to share with you this morning about communion, I hope it disturbs you.
and you're celebrating that. Right? Good Protestant kind of interpretation of it, right? You know, uh, the bread is Jesus' body, his blood, the sacrifice on the cross, his body was broken for you, and you're just remembering that Jesus died for your sins, and if you believe that and you're good, you're going to heaven, it's all good. And the communion is to remember that what Jesus did on the cross. That's only a fourth of what this is. The clue comes in when Jesus says in the passage, when he says this, he says, do this in remembrance of me. And the thing I love about this passage is, is that Jesus doesn't say, hey, you got to believe this, you got to believe that, you got to affirm this, you got to hold this intellectually assent to this, you got to hold this in your heart. He says, no, do this action. Take this bread that I'm breaking. Drink this wine in this cup. Amen. I want to 
So Trajan was like, they hang out in graveyards. They bury dead poor people. They, they also 
they worship every Sunday. <laughs> no joke. And the woman's like, they eat their Jesus. And in some ways, you are what you eat. You become what you eat. This communion, this repeal of feast, this uh, bread and wine that you partake and you digest into your body, you're becoming what you eat. And so what are we becoming? We're becoming the body of Christ. We're becoming uh, the, the community of Jesus. We're becoming literally the body of Christ. We literally, Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me, to remember me, to, uh, to remember me. And, and I love this word, and it just came to me. Uh, I want you to rebody me. When you eat the bread, Jesus is saying, and you drink the wine, you are rebodying me. You are remembering me. You are rebodying me in the world. And what a world uh, do we live in, would you say? So, so here we are. Uh, communion reminds us that we are not removed from society that shapes us, but we are profoundly shaped by communion, and we're also profoundly shaped by the world in which we live in. We do not have the luxury to be selective in how society shapes us and, and, and molds us good or ill. But we do have some kind of choice in the opposite direction. When we do things like take communion, we are becoming something different than what the society says we should be. Turn your neighbor and say, you are what you eat. Whether that's in the media, whether that's in the music, whether it's in the books that you read, the images that you see, the sounds that you hear, turn to your neighbor and say, you are what you eat. So when the church comes together and says, the world says this, revenge, violence, destruction, murder, racism, sexism, uh, dishonesty, uh, lying, stealing, and all the manner of things in which we do damage to each other in the world, when you come into this place, when you partake of the communion, when you partake of the Eucharistic table, when you take the bread and the wine of Jesus, you say, I am becoming what I'm eating. So what difference does this make? This communion. I can hear the world saying, we need the body of Jesus now. We need the body of Jesus now. In a history and in a culture that wants to deny its own complicity in sin. There's a lament that I read this 
Charles. He's a Navajo, Native American Christian. A lot of people probably didn't even know that, right? There's actually Native American Christians. That's a miracle. Amen. If you know the history. But this brother's prophetic, though. And he gives us lament in the wake of Charleston that really just grabbed me. And it just spoke to me and it said, I can hear the world, I can hear God saying this in the world, saying through this lament. And by lament, it is a series of words and phrases and rhyme that gives uh, expression of one's grief of a traumatic or a situation of suffering. Today I lament, I mourn over the life of each and every person that was violently taken in Charleston, South Carolina. I lament that a five-year-old child was robbed of her innocence and forced to play dead in order to survive. I lament that today the Confederate flag is still flying in the capital of South Carolina. I lament the roots of dehumanization that exists within the founding documents of the United States of America in our Declaration of Independence, our Constitution, and our Supreme Court case presidents. Remember, he's Native American. I lament that our nation continues to celebrate its racist foundations with holidays like Columbus Day, sports mascots like Washington Redskins, and putting up faces like Andrew Jackson on our currency. I lament the deaths of Eric Garner, Trayvon Martin, Michael Brown, and the countless others. I lament the words of our political candidates who promised to lead America back to its former greatness. Ignorant of the fact that much of America's greatness was built on the exploitation and dehumanization of its people of color. I lament that today the dominant culture in America is shocked because in the city of Charleston, South Carolina, one individual committed a single evil and heinous act of violence while minority communities throughout the country are bracing themselves because the horrors of the past 500 years are continuing into our lifetime. I lament with every person in the community throughout the history of this nation who due to the color of their skin had to endure marginalization, silence, discrimination, beatings, lynching, cultural genocide, boarding schools, internment camps, mass incarceration, broken treaties, stolen lands, murder, slavery, and so-called discovery of America. Today I lament that the United States of America does not share a common memory and therefore is incapable of experiencing true community. Mark Charles, Navajo Christian pastor. I ain't gonna lie. I'm angry. And I'm sad. week I've gotten into some conversations with friends. Probably into some friendships, actually. <laughs> Equation all week. 
One side's like, kill them all. Other side's like, you just have to let it go. And as a Christian that takes communion, that takes Eucharist, that is reminded of the death of the person that I followed, the kind of death that he died, and the kind of violence that he experienced, I'm caught in the tension as it relates to this whole matter. And so as I approach this week, as I prepare my sermon, I was just like, man, God, what in the world does communion have to do with what's happened this week in our society in Charleston? What does crackers and grape juice got to do with this? And I heard this simple
was like second to this, what I'm about to tell you, right? Y'all remember Saturday morning cartoons? I don't even know if they even have that. Do they even have Saturday morning cartoons anymore? It's like 24-hour cartoons now, so you ain't got to look forward to anymore. That's true. So I remember, man, all week is looking forward to Saturday morning cartoons and the afternoon Kung Fu theater. So what difference does crackers and juice make? When we come together and we eat the bread and drink the wine, the juice, we remember Jesus. And somehow and in some way, we receive strength and encouragement to be the body of Christ in a violent world.
body of Christ in a violent world. So what difference does it make to share in this difference today in this violent day? There's a quote from Oscar Romero, Archbishop Romero. If you ever get a chance, I want you to Google him today. Archbishop Oscar Romero, I'm going to close with this. Archbishop Romero was a bishop, Archbishop of El Salvador in Central America. And uh, he was part of the Catholic Church hierarchy, distant, removed from poor people, but then got assigned to El Salvador. And saw a situation where the government, the powerful people, and the drug dealers and the cartels were in collusion with each other and in operation with each other to keep people oppressed and repressed in that society. They would conscript poor, poor farmers to go out into the fields to produce uh, the plants that they would use to make drugs. And so we came into the situation and began to say, you know, man, what can the church do in such a violent situation? And he says this, well, before I quote him, while I go ahead and quote him, he says this, in the midst of violence, this is what we can do. When we take communion, when we take Eucharist this morning, there's some of us right now that say, man, I just want to get back. I want to get back at him. I want to get back at the society that produced him, this young man that took out nine lives. I don't want to forgive. But Romero was to remind us of this. He says this, we have never preached violence. Accept the violence of love, which left Christ nailed to a cross, the violence that we must each do to ourselves to overcome our selfishness and such cruel inequalities among us. The violence we preach is not the violence of the sword, the violence of hatred, it is the violence of love, of brotherhood and sisterhood, the violence that wills to beat weapons into symbols work. So the Eucharist makes us violent, but it's a different kind of violence. It is a violence for love. Violence is an action that's done to destroy. But in the kingdom of God, when you take the bread and you take the wine, it enforces you, it encourages you, it strengthens you to become, to do action that's based out of love. So instead of destroying our community, instead of destroying ourselves, communion reminds us that we're called, we're called here to build with God, not destroy. Jesus says this. He says, take the bread. He blessed it. He broke it. And he gave it. I submit to you today, when you eat the bread and you drink the wine in some very powerful spiritual way, you are taken. You are blessed. You are broken. And Jesus gives you to the world. What we'll do here today with each other, amongst each other, is what God's going to do with us in the world. Rehearsal for revolution.
So will you remember with me this morning? Will you remember with me this morning? Y'all ready for the reversal? To be taken up by God. To be blessed by God. To be a blessing to others. To be broken by God. To remind us that we're broken in our own way. But also broken for God. And sent back out into a broken world. To be given back to a broken world. So we share the love of Jesus in our communities. It is a violent love. A love that doesn't destroy. A love that builds up. It's easy to be angry on Facebook. It's a cop out. That's why some of y'all know me on Facebook. You notice I engaged the last couple of days with some of the stupid stuff people were saying. Because this. It's easy to get angry about injustice on Facebook. But what you going to do about it? That's right. Amen. Amen. The Eucharist transforms you beyond being a mouse pad activist. But we transform agents of the kingdom of God. So, there you go. Communion. You're about to become something other than what the world says you are. Let's eat together. Let's sup together.